0: i we're saying hello to uh, two guys from FM on the Renaissance now with the new album yeah. Metropolis and we welcome to a pub deep in the midst of Cheshire, <laughs> which is happy stomping ground for the two guys. We say hello to Steve Overland and to Jim Kirkpatrick. Hi there, how are you doing? Welcome man? to Get Ready to Rock. Thank you very much. And congratulations on the, uh, the album Metropolis. You must be really made up that it's had such a great reaction.
1: Unbelievable really, I mean, I think we, um, we didn't think it would come, we could come back with such an impact really. When we first decided to do the one-off Firefest show that we did, we had no, it was just gonna be one gig, you know, and we were gonna see what happened and see how we got on, getting back together. I mean, we were apart for 10, 11 years, so you never know. I mean, we were expecting probably 200 people to turn up and we sold it out, you know, Rock City. So it's a fantastic night. And um, it all just went from there, we sort of saw the fans reaction and nothing had changed really, so we thought, why don't we carry on with this, you know, and then obviously Andy went, Jim came in and we decided to do a new record, and uh, it's just been sort of, it's been moving very quickly, hasn't it really? Well, yeah, in yeah, the last a six slow months. start, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> really all this is relative, because you've actually been through this euphoria, haven't you, when an album's released back in the 80s. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um,
0: can you, um, I mean, can you cast your mind back to the late 80s? I mean, was there one particular album which really had a buzz in the, you know, for those of us who weren't there or just catching up with FM. What, what was the album that really created the buzz for the band? Well,
1: to be honest, I mean, Tough and Out was the album really that launched us into probably, well, we were as big as we did a theatre tour, we did Hammersmith and I went and headlined that on the back of that record because we were lucky enough to get some great tours. We did Bon Jovi tours and Tina Turner tours and all of those tours. So basically, we were taking fans away from people all the time we and the albums did very well in other countries like japan and sweden so but Top and out was the one that kind of put us made us as big as we were in the 80s really you know 1989 but once again indiscreet was really well received the first album because it was if we were going to be everybody predict this to be the the english bon jovi or the english foreigner and all that at the time so the first two albums were great they both did really well for us get ready to rock radio
0: now, FM, was there ever a time, Steve, that you thought things weren't going to happen again for the band? I mean, what actually happened? I mean, it's probably well written, but yeah. basically mid-90s, the band folded after an album.
1: Yeah, was, I mean, we, we got to this, we'd done, we'd been together for about 11 years, David, and we, we kind of, we were still touring and doing sort of big club gigs. We were doing, you know, we could still fill the gigs and we were doing well, but there was basically, there didn't seem to be anywhere to go grunge had kicked in and um, we could make a living but we just seemed to be on a parallel Though we couldn't go anywhere there was nowhere to go we'd made albums we'd got big record deals we'd been through all of that and done everything we could do really and the the last album we made together dead man's shoes the writing didn't come very easily it was becoming quite you know um obvious that it was it was time to stop You know, if you were honest with yourselves. And lots of bands carried on, and good luck to them, but we just thought, it's not going anywhere now, we need to call it a day now, we're all still friends. And we stayed friends through the 10, 11 years that we weren't together. So it was a good thing to to stop it before it all became kind of, I could see it going nowhere at that time, because the music, we couldn't get it played on the radio, we couldn't do anything really, there was nowhere to go. So, Mm. just musical trends. It was just the musical trends changed. Yes, I mean, grunge does have a lot to answer for doesn't it? <laughs> well, some <laughs> great bands came out of the grunge yes, era, but, Yeah, but it did you kill know, off a lot of melodic rockers it like did, yeah. didn't it? But to be fair, the last album we did, last studio album, was not one of our strongest records. So, you know, if I was being totally honest with you, I think the songs were good, yeah. but I think I'd already written some songs for another project. People were starting to think of other things to do in the band, and, um, it, it just got to the point where it seemed the right thing to do to stop you know. Mm.
0: Now turning the clock back a little bit further, when the band started was the one event, one um, aspect of the band's early career if you like where you can look back and think well actually yeah we've got a right place right time i mean were there, were anything acting as like a catalyst in those early days i mean what got you the the contract with um well Columbia, wasn't it through portrait and yeah. then it went to epic that's right yeah. And this was a major and still is a major name label yeah how, how did that come about? it was
1: a funny funny thing how the band got together really because me and my brother were managed by a guy called brian lane who managed asia and and yes and all those bands and we were we were doing work with people like robin george and people like that and writing songs and um we basically Pete found up one day and said look we've got a couple of songs we want to put this band together and so me and Chris had a meeting with them so we sat down me and Chris and we said right I'll tell you what we'll do let's do a couple of rehearsals and so the band rehearsed and it sounded great so we said right we'll write four songs and we'll do a showcase and see if it doesn't, if, if it doesn't go anywhere that's the end of it that's it we'll just go back to what we were doing we were all on retainers from other things you know Pete was in Samson and we were all doing other things, but we wanted to get this band together just to try it. But the thing is, in the meantime, we, we were writing other tunes and um, a tour came up with Meatloaf and they heard the demos of the songs mm. for indiscreet. And the management of Meatloaf offered us the Bad Attitude tour in Europe. So we went to Germany before we got a record deal and did six or seven dates in like these huge sports parlour places where two or three labels saw us. So there was kind of a buzz going around on the labels when we came back to England about this new rock band, even though we'd done nothing really. We'd just done a few gigs of meatloaf in Europe. Came back, we did one showcase, and um, actually I think the first time CBS came, they kind of we didn't hear anything back. And then all of a sudden, two of the record labels came and offered with us a deal. And as it goes, it sort of all of a sudden, Portrait came from America to England, and we were the first signing. They came to us and said, look, fantastic we did one more showcase play, and that was how it all came about really it was oh. just like the band actually had a buzz it was that that whole thing of getting a buzz going because all record companies are like if somebody else is interested then we're interested that's how it works you know and, and that's that's how it went in the mid 90s pretty much run its
0: course and you went off doing other things but would you say that there was an element of like perhaps label management at that time as well I mean, very much so yeah.
1: yeah yeah i mean with epic it was it was amazing really because We'd been on so many brilliant tours and they put us on all these tours and we kept saying look why are we going to these places and they because we had no real product to promote but they just kept us touring and touring and touring which maybe cost a, well, it cost a fortune but there was no reason to do a lot of it and um, they kept trying to bring in people to write with us which was great it's great experience writing with people like Desmond Child it was fantastic but it's it was kind of, we lost our way a bit with Epic and the, we kept sort of every couple of album, every couple of sort of meetings we'd have with them, they put two songs forward of Outside writers to try and, they had this thing where we need the hit single. And we thought we got the hit single and you kind of sort of fishing in the dark. The American label wanted to take the band over. They loved FM and Epic in America. But the trouble is we were signed to Epic in the UK and although they're the same label, they just battle against each other, you know, they they don't work together. So I went to the States, me and my brother and wrote with Desmond Child and did all these things in America, but the British label wouldn't let go of it.
0: I gather you didn't really have the wider success in the States that perhaps you should have had, really.
1: No, that was the biggest shock of all, really, to everybody. I mean, Frozen Heart came out, first single, Billboard tip sheets did really well, we thought it was gonna do, but unfortunately, it was definitely all about politics from the record label. We were booked to do about three tours out there and at the last minute it all kicked off. It was purely a power game with a band caught in the middle. It was like we had, as I say, the American epic, the English epic. We were signed in England. Our publishing deal was signed in America with Chapel Music. So the Americans out there controlled the songs, but they didn't have the band on the American label. So it just became a big mess. I mean, I went out there a lot. I did a lot of writing out there, I wrote with Desmond, Jesse Harms, Chapel kept taking me out to meet people, and I went out and did promotional tours, but we, could never, we never got any tours together because of this in-house fighting thing, and we couldn't. We didn't know what to do, we couldn't do anything about it, it was well above us, so we suffered. But, you know, you you just have to get on with it, don't you, you know, and I mean, it's, it's, it's not an easy business, and, and that's it, we just sort of ploughed on, and, you know, went to places where we could go and, but it is a shame because obviously if you listen to the music it's so American orientated yes. it has it has that real crossover thing for the States so it, it got a bit messy with Epic really in the end and uh, although they wanted to make a third album we went for a meeting with a guy that was a great guy I called Gary Stevens we just said look there's no point in making a third album we owe you a million pounds <laughs> you know what's the point in making a third <coughs> album you know so we we actually broke off the deal and, and they let us go and we went off and did a deal with somebody else, you know, but it was just that time when there was lots of money around in the business and yes. they would send you off to LA to do a video in a warehouse when you could have done it in crew, because it's in <laughs> a warehouse, isn't it, you know, but it's like, no, you need to go to LA and do it. It'd be like, right, okay, yeah, lovely. You know, you pack your <laughs> case and you go, you know, and, and <laughs> it was just now in hindsight, you you kind of look at the money you spent on ridiculous things and you would never do that now, I mean it's yeah. like we know what we're trying to do and we have control now and that's the main thing you know. But but
0: it was a good time though for the industry in the sense that there was money floating about like you said. Oh yeah I mean um, it was the fun. The whole idea of like picture discs and limited editions, yeah. it was much more mm-hmm. uh, thriving, It was very healthy, it, really? very healthy,
1: healthy time it. and um, fans could, they, there was so many as you say, so many great packages mm-hmm. and they do like Five different runs of a record. Want to be a box set. Want to be a picture disc, and it was great stuff to collect. Yes. You know, and uh, but it's all changed now, hasn't it? You know, but you know, it was good fun. But at the same time, you you kind of could lose track quite easily on where you were where you were going, and you just had money thrown at you from all directions, and it was sort of yeah, we'll do that then, we'll do that. And at the end of the day, it was a lot of we wasted a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> In the ages, so it must
0: know. be marvellous for somebody like you, Steve, from the eighties onwards. Really, you've been through that experience the, the the money situation and the classic time really I think for melodic rock generally was mm. the late 80s early yeah, 90s definitely, definitely. so how um, have you come to terms over the years I mean now you must I mean before the interview you were joking about you know you're not that keen on like emails and text messages and things (laughs) just (laughs) concentrate on the vocals which is probably the best thing really but i mean how have you managed to adapt you think over the years yourself to the new business if you like new business model well i think i'm sure that's affecting metropolis in its own way isn't it
1: yeah i mean the great thing is you you, i surround myself with people that do understand the technology i mean i just (laughs) i just write i write the songs (laughs) and sing them and it's like you know i i know what the process is but you do you like you still got the same thing where you use engineers mm. i don't engineer the albums we have an engineer to do it because that's what they do well but um you have to look at the way the industry's changed and you know it's now not about going into a shop and buying an album it's about downloads and stuff like that and maybe one song whereas in, in our day it was like you wanted to own that album the the sleeve and everything was like a big part of it The oh, whole industry's changed now and i think it used to be really tough to get to the entire world now you can do it at the top of a hat if you're doing a tour it just on your website or put it wherever and everybody knows about it so you know it's it's easier in a way it's easier to get to people and let them know what you're doing you know
0: now did did this um whole way new approach if you like the modern approach did that color the making of metropolis the album i mean was there any rejection of songs you know did you modify things did you think to yourself well when people are just snatching odd tracks I mean it does make you perhaps more focused on the tracks that you're including doesn't it because for a whole yeah. album I, mean, I have to say it's a really strong album and the beauty of it I think is that you can go back to it and mm. discover new things which has to which be a good great. thing. Yeah, There's yeah, immediate sure. stuff and I love Wild Side, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah I think the thing with us is I mean we kind of write Everything we write has to have a commercial edge anyway. There's there's nothing that you could say this is an album track. We mm. don't do that, do we, Jim, really? Well, we, you know, yeah,
2: we tried not to. I mean, I think the the biggest sort of criteria was that we knew it had to stand up with anything that had gone in the past, really. Yeah, yeah, it had to so be as as good as if not better if we could do that, really, you know, which is Debatable whether we did or not, but I mean, there's certainly some stuff on there that stands up. I think as good as anything ever Definitely, I would
1: say the whole album does. I think it's definitely one of the best albums we've done, because, song-wise. Which is, you know, it's um. But,
2: but again, you got the freedom that in well, in the UK, we're the record company for the UK, so you hmm. haven't got anybody dictating to you what you've got to do. So hopefully, we're kind of clever enough to know what we had to do. Really. I think we're good.
1: Think we're good at our own quality control, mm. aren't we? I mean, yeah. songs don't get past the first verse and bridge If they're not right they're not right and we probably wrote and there
2: were a lot of songs that didn't oh, yeah, you know absolutely. didn't
1: make it. it was probably 20 songs wasn't there yeah easily easily you know so i yeah, think e- we yeah, are, yeah, easily, yeah, we're we're realistic i think and we we look at songs as you know i mean you look at as you just said david they stand up on their own each song has to be a complete thing it has to have melody very important and the qualities the band are melody and harmonies and and that kind of that that's what we look at and so I think every song is taken as a separate entity, it's not, we, we never think, right, we've got eight good songs, so we only need another three to make an album, and these all do, mm. that never ever comes into play, it has to be, every song has to be as strong in, to us as the as the last one, so hopefully we've achieved that, you know.
0: Mm. And what about Side? because that was the first single last year, mm. um, and from all I can gather it probably did receive quite a bit of airplay, I mean, that's... Maybe a slight departure, it's a real in-your-face rocker isn't it, it's mm. a uh, f- fantastic track, how did that one come about?
1: It's funny because the one thing we didn't want to do as the first track that people had heard in like 12 years was put a, a, a well, sugary yeah, ALR sugary, ALR lame AOR ballad out, because it would be like, oh here we go, same old stuff you know, so we thought maybe a real hard hitting track was the way to go. Capture people's attention. Yeah, and, and whether that's well received or not really didn't come into play. We just didn't want to create an impression that we were going to come back as, you know, some sugary AOR band because we're not, you know, so it's, it's not what we're about, you know, and so I think it did what we wanted it to do. You know, there were a few people who said, this is not what we expected, mm. you know, and it was a bit like, you know, it's not like, not like the sort of, t- it's not like American Girls, it's not like that girl, but on the whole it was really well received and people were surprised by it like you just said you know which was great because it makes people take notice get ready to rock radio music you want to hear
0: now jim came into the band probably about a couple of years ago wasn't it i think i think two years didn't you yeah yeah
2: yeah Yeah. uh yeah it's probably about yeah it's really getting on for two years 18 months two years since i first came to have a play with the band anyway right
0: and and you I've uh, been witness really to the whole evolution of the album. I mean, did you have songs written before Jim?
2: No, no only 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 a couple really. We, didn't the you? Really early, a, ones, which which yeah. sort of changed yeah. from what they were then. Yeah.
1: No, it's all come from when Jim came in the band. I mean, to be honest with you, if told the truth, Jim gave us a kick up the backside. He's younger. He's got, you know. I mean, we we are quite, you know, we we we've done this, so we're quite set in our ways, and I think Jim. Maybe introduce us to doing things slightly different. He's definitely had a massive influence on the way the album turned out, you know, without a doubt. So haven't you, Jim? <laughs> I wrote all
2: of it, music, words and producer. <laughs> but I don't tell anyone that's off the
1: record.
0: Now Jim, how did you were obviously a fan, weren't you, I think of a fan? Yeah, yeah. Although Age-wise, you must have been quite young. I mean, when you first started buying records, I can't believe you were buying FM records. Uh,
2: well, yeah. I, they were in your collection, <laughs> weren't they? I had a couple yeah. in the collection. <laughs> I'm still only in the previous decade to Steve oh, at the moment. Yeah. Not for long. But he's in his 40s, I'm in my 30s, that's what I'm saying. But, um, yeah, well, yeah, I, mean, I was at school, really, when they were coming yes. out. And I... I used to go into a local record shop and there was a guy who worked there and I used to go in and ask his advice on what I should buy and one of them being indiscreet, you know, and this guy, whose uh, name Paul, Oh Paul, yeah, he worked for the band for a bit didn't he? He did, yeah, he did yeah.
1: merchandising. and yeah
2: and uh, we've seen him at a couple of the gigs and he used to go on about FM all the time to me go on about Steve Overland and said I should buy some of it, you know, so I bought a few albums with these dodgy hairstyles on and uh, <laughs> And sort of, I mean, for a while, yeah, I did play it, I mean, you get into other things and, you know, in all honesty, didn't play it for a long, long time, actually. And it was only when I found out later, me and Steve were sort of neighbours, it used to, after nights in the pub, me and a few mates would go at back home, home and we'd, it, yeah. put, we'd get the vinyl collection out. And <laughs> yeah. Used to have a bit of a laugh at it, really. Yeah. And, but, I don't blame it, But, <laughs> the, but the, song, the songs were always there, I mean, that was, I think that was the thing, really, you know, the songs yeah. were there. The hairstyles haven't stood the test of time. But, but, yeah.
0: but there's something there that you're related oh, to. Oh yeah, really,
2: totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and just being yeah. a big music fan and, and obviously pretty much working in music since I was 16 years old, I always knew about Steve and his name and his reputation, mm-hmm. just as you do, really. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah.
0: so how did the two of you get together finally then?
1: Just by accident, one Christmas Eve in the local pub. I mean, I'd known about Jim for a long time. People kept saying, um, oh, you gotta hear this great guitar player in the village. And as I say, me and my brother, there was a, there's a carnival in the village every year and it rained really heavy one year. My brother was staying with me, Chris, he was the original guitarist in the band, as you know. And we walked in the local pub and Jim was, a much younger Jim was there with the Rory Gallagher hairstyle. And, the, and my brother just stood there really quietly and he said, I won't tell you exactly what he said on the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he said, um, he said, he's absolutely brilliant, this lad, isn't he? And I said, yeah, he is good, isn't he? And I'd, I'd never heard him. I didn't even know it was Jim. Man. It was just this lad with a band doing Hendrix and all this kind of stuff. And it was just brilliant. brilliant. You know, went away probably in five years on after everybody saying you should meet each other and did, we bumped into each other on the full Christmas Eve, and we've been mates ever since, really. Long before Jim joined FM, you know, it was just a. We just did stuff together before mm-hmm. then, yeah, writing yeah. and things like that, you know. Programmed by enthusiasts, not accountants, this is Get Ready to Rock Radio.
0: After FM stopped making records, Steve, in um, the mid 90s, 1995 ish, um, you didn't exactly hang around because you've been extremely busy, haven't you, over hmm. the last decade?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do, I've done a bit of everything. I've done like from ads to everything it's just the thing with the music industry is that you got to basically do many things to keep it interesting and also to make a living it's not an easy way to make a living but it's um so I did a a few things for various producers and I met up with um I did a session with Steve Morris the guy from Gillen and um, he's doing something with Gillen now but he's also in a band called Heartland for many years and I did a session and the guy, the, the record company guy came down from Escape, did the session and came to me after that and said, you know, would you be interested in putting a project together with Steve? So we did. We got Chris and Harry, James and Thunder, put Shadow Man together and did one album. It was really well received. And I think when, well, I've just finished writing album number four, which so we're in the studio in May doing that same lineup: Chris and Harry from Thunder and uh, me and Steve. And, uh, yeah, I just think, I'll just do a bit of everything from I me, mean, me and Jim have done stuff for like country stuff and sent it out to the States to people and we've done all sorts of different styles. I think that's what keeps it fresh.
0: Yes. To be uh,
1: pigeonholed doing one thing, you can easily get bored and, and you know, you, you also get stereo. well, pigeonholed is, that's what you do, you know, and um, so I like to do a bit of everything, really. Mm. You know, and uh, making these albums with various different musicians, the Overland albums are largely made with Scandinavian musicians and producers. Which of course is a great
0: place that the world's Unbelievable, not yeah. it? For like mm. melodic, and, rock and music. And their music. playing
1: is yeah. just unbelievable, they're virtuoso players, mm. they're fantastic. Mm. I mean, on the Overland album i had Greg, Greg Bissonette from oh, yes. and some great players on the records, but they approach things totally differently. You know, and I mean, Jim sort of did a bit of work on the first *Everland* album with Anders, the producer, yeah, yeah. and he's like a genius. This Swedish guy, Anders Rydholm, he's just fantastic. So I went out to Sweden to do the album. He's got his own studio out there, and it's just great to work with different people because everybody works in a different way. Whether they write, whether you're writing songs with them or recording or whatever, so you learn something every time you do it. So it keeps you keeps you fresh, keeps you on your toes because you know you if people are giving you you can get set in your ways If everything you do you do it your way yes. you get set in your ways, so you have to have new challenges and mm. I love it I love doing all the different projects you know
0: well talking about different countries I mean FM where would you say outside of the UK biggest market was I mean, did you have any success in Scandinavia? Oh big interest?
1: big yeah. yeah yeah I mean we, we went out there the first two albums were really really popular um, did really well. We toured with Europe out there when they were at the height. so that's the biggest band apart from ABBA <laughs> you could have toured <laughs> yeah. with in, in, in Scandinavia so that was like being on tour with the Beatles out there at the time it was just like screaming you couldn't really hear very much when you played you know but fantastic you know. The new albums
2: Doing well in Sweden, isn't yeah, it? it? Is, sort of it is, better yeah. than anywhere else, really. Yeah, yeah. Same,
0: Still, lots of fans yeah. in Scandinavia. Oh, I was going to so, say because yeah. it's one of those strange. You'll know better than most, Steve, um, about Scandinavia. I'm, I'm wondering whether they produce all these melodic hard rock bands, and yet perhaps the market in Sweden, which is going to be smaller anyway, mm, yeah. maybe they're not as big in their homeland as they are outside. No,
1: really. no. I mean, there's mm. the there's the heat. This new Scandinavian band that are doing very well. And it was quite a compliment actually. They did the fire yeah. the night before and they asked if they could stay over and meet us. Mm. So I'm standing there and these two young sort of guys come up to me and say, uh, Steve, you are one of our biggest influencers. And they must have been about six when we were going the first time around. And it's like, oh. but it's a real compliment, you know, mm. that to them, I mean, they're doing really well out in Sweden now. They're like the new Europe really, you know, and um, absolutely fantastic that they took FM one of their biggest influences when they started so which is fantastic it gives you a bit of a kick really you must know. be
0: marvelous that people coming up to you like that and that was fantastic yeah. their music I mean, it's, yeah. it's a real
1: bonus no, that's superb yeah. makes you you know makes it all worthwhile really makes mm. you feel good get ready to rock radio
0: let's come right up to date really with uh, fm returning at uh, firefest in 2007 Mm-hmm. Now, um, what was going on round about that time? The because that really sparked off the reformation of the band, didn't it? Mm. Um, did you need some persuading, really?
1: Oh, years of persuading. I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, mm-hmm. ask him. <laughs> I I to to him. I used <laughs> to see him. I used to see him in the pub we go out. Cause we've been I used to say, him. "Are you ever going to put that band back together?" I've been. Mean, uh, not a chance. <laughs> I tell you what. It's like some old, <laughs> yeah, All chance of you said to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now I was always like. Not, not that interested, to be honest, because I've always been somebody. I mean, I, I, I tend to look forward and not go back to what I've done before. But if you want the truth be known, it was like I, the guy, the organiser of the Firefest, Kieran, he's a, he's a great lad. And I used to, he also runs the Fireworks magazine with Bruce and all that kind of thing. And he kept saying to me, Would you not do one show? Just one show. And I'm like, No, Kieran, okay. like, you know, everybody's all over the country. Andy lives in Malta, and to get it back together would be a real pain if you want the truth he kept putting the fee up and it kept getting more and more and he kept saying and I was doing some writing for some stuff in the States with Merv bass player in FM Um, and I mentioned it to Merv I was just around there one afternoon we were working on a song and I said this guy Kieran keeps saying I've just done an interview with him for the last Shadow Man record and he said he keeps banging on about his headline in this festival he does called the Firefest." and I said I said you know and he's offered this much money and I, I said you know do you think if we're ever going to do a one-off show together again and get it all back together, we're going to have to do it soon? Otherwise, we'll be in an old people's home. You know, so I said, we, if we're ever going to do it, let's get back together and see what you think. You know. To ask the other guys. Ask the other guys. They're like, yeah, let's just do one gig, see how it goes. And to be honest, Deb, we didn't expect anything like the response we got. Um, we were totally moved by the whole thing to be honest, oh, you know, yeah. walked out, gigs sold out, people from Bermuda, Japan. Nantwitch. Twitch, yeah, 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 you know, and it, it really was quite overwhelming. Yes. And when we saw that, it was a bit like, well, we can't just do one gig, because afterwards we had the after show meet and greet thing, and all the fans yeah. are like, you can't stop again, you can't stop again, and you actually felt quite moved by it, you know, and oh, they, yeah. so we decided we were gonna carry on and see what happened. In the meantime, Andy, was kind of, we, we decided we were gonna do it, it needed 100% commitment. If we're gonna come back, we've gotta come back better than we were, and we've gotta make an album that's better than what we've ever done in our in our minds. We've gotta totally believe in it. And Andy was kind of doing a couple of other things, talking about moving to the States, going to Canada, and was hard to pin down, you know, and so that was when it was decided that maybe it would be best if, if we were gonna carry on if Andy wasn't involved, you know, and, and it was just a mutual thing, really. It was a, a natural thing that just happened. He was living in Malta. So doing two rehearsals to do a, something was was that's a great. big deal to yeah, get together, you know. And um, that's what happened, really. So we we kind of, it was all a big surprise. And then it all stemmed. Jim came down, we were gonna do another gig and maybe start writing some songs. And, you know, we tried a few guitarists out. And I knew Jim, Jim, it was whether Jim wanted to do it, really. I mean, Jim is 10 years plus. Younger mm. than, than me and I was working with Jim anyway, and I said deep fancy coming down and we tried a few other people out And I knew he'd be brilliant. I mean, I know how he plays, you know, and he came down and to be honest Didn't surprise me. He's blew all the rest of the people we would tried out at the water really and the rest of all the that... other
2: guitarists have no fingers never... <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, and, uh,
1: Merv is one of these people he tapes everything you do. You can't you know you basically if you're sitting down like this one, the acoustic guitar and the break, and a cup of coffee, Merville have, have a tape machine on yeah. And he recorded all the guitar players that did the audition and he just said, you know, yeah. he just he speaks obvious. for himself, was, yeah. you know, and yeah. everybody's always sort of hark back to the way my brother used to play with the band. And um, the melodic, he's a very melodic guitar player, quite bluesy but also very melodic. Jim has come in now and taken that a step further but bringing that back into the band and I think the fans are They love it down there. I mean, Jim came in and and did. I mean, when you came in and did the first show, he said, I'm going to play some of Chris's stuff. Because you said. Well, play the
2: solos like he did them, which I think is one of the things that a lot of the fans liked, really, you know, and probably disliked about Andy Barnett being in the band and, you know, and that's not knocking Andy's playing because Andy's a was pretty amazing that. guitar yeah, player yeah. really yeah. You know, um,
0: But he did split the fan base a little bit Yeah the massively show, yeah. And,
2: the, and the thing is there's no point for me to come into a band that's so well established and has such a big fan base and say I'm gonna do this to it and make it sound like this no one's really interested in me doing that and I'm not interested in it No, no that. exactly I just exactly. wanted it to sound like people remember it. I wanted people to come back and say well I haven't been to an FM show for 20 years and you know when they hear that girl hear the solo played nearly correctly (laughs) 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 but you know what what I mean, that's how they want to hear it they don't want to hear someone else's interpretation of it and so many of Chris's guitar solos were melodic written parts like Brian May plays on Queen records you can't change those guitar solos and mm. your brother's solos are very much like that. You yeah,
1: know? yeah. So. and so are Jim's. So it's basically brought that element back to the band. Yes. And where Jim is very much, um, you know, he's a song person. I mean, Jim's the only brilliant guitar player i've ever known that made a solo album and hardly had any guitar solos on it <laughs> <You know. laughs> it's like you know so i'm like yeah it's really good jim but you don't actually play much guitar on this do you, you know and it's it's yeah <laughs> but he wants to but that's he's a song solo. person a song person david yes. so yeah song what mm. basically fits the song and what complements the melody of the song is what jim does it's not all about him mm. which a lot you know it's a great thing to be able to have a a 20 second slot in a song so you you play a solo. You got 20, 25 seconds, and you've got to, to get your, your bit, yeah. yeah to do get your bit across. And he's great at it, you know, and it, it works. So if you do one of the songs at the new album, if you play a different solo, it just won't sound right. So it's like all right now, do that song and play a different solo to Kosovo, and it will sound ridiculous, you know. And it's it's yeah. just great melodies, and they're more like parts as 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 much as guitar solos, you yeah. know. Yeah. Do
0: you see that um, evolving at all within the band? The sort of the because uh, you play guitar, of course. Don't yeah, you Steve? And, and you've always done that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So well, and there are nice harmonies on the album.
1: Well, that's one of the elements that me and Jim talked about bringing back into the band. Really it disappeared. Tried to push, yeah. It disappeared on the third and maybe well even the fourth album, and people were saying, you know, what happened to all the twin lead stuff like the Thin Lizzy kind of Brian May stuff you used to do, and it disappeared. So and that's Jim,
2: such a big part of the, the first couple of records, It is, which yeah. people associate with the band, which is why. You know, tracks like Over You. I've got that great well, I say great, but well, I know but Well he wrote it, I can say it was great. But you know, that great sort of thin Lizzy twin lead all the way through it really and and so many people have picked up on that. They have
1: and people aren't doing that anymore. You know, all the bands that used to do that have stopped doing it. So it was an element of the band that we thought, Well bring it back and, and you know, it it works great within this band. So we're going to do it more and more. And Jim's yeah. stop yeah. has got a lot of harmonies, he's, he's a big Brian May fan. There's a lot of that kind of orchestra, orchestration. Orchestration, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, guitar stop that, that's happening on the record, which I love. And yes. so do the people, so do the fans, yeah. obviously. I mean,
0: know. I was well aware of that when you did the showcase at the, the Roadhouse in um, Covent Garden, London. I mean, that was a mm. great gig, really. Yeah, it was thought, fun, wasn't it? You yeah, know, fun. Um, all credit to you, really. You've come back. And I know you've been back previously at Firefest, mm. but it was a nice gig to do that, really. Mm. So. Launch
1: the album. Oh it's great because it's more like a party atmosphere mm. and um, you know the thing is with us I mean so far the band's not even close to what it will be because every gig we've done we've had a six month break. We do a show, <laughs> sell it out, have six months off and then do another one <laughs> you know so when we actually get on this tour and we're playing every night and it all gels and it takes tours really to make bands gel. And that's what we need, now, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. And I think when we when we start doing that, I mean, there's quite a lot of plans for this year and next year already. I think the band will really, really come into its own. I really yes. do. I think it's the best lineup we've ever had by far. Oh, that's, you know? it's
0: that's yeah. excellent hearing you say that. Really. Which brings me to uh, my uh, final comments. Really about the you've got a tour coming up in May. You've got some more dates in July. Mm-hmm. Um, so will there be anything else later in the year? There will be.
1: There's there's big plans for later in the year, but we can't basically say what it is yet. It's 99.9.9% there, Um, but we haven't signed the Mm. contract yet. So if I said it and it doesn't happen, we've had a whole catalog (laughs) saying, yeah, we're doing that, you know, (laughs) and then people say, well, you didn't, did you? You know, so, uh, you Um, know, but there's lots of things are in the pipeline, and lots more gigs and lots of other stuff. We're starting writing the new album, aren't we? Because obviously we're going to find a slot to do that in between all the other stuff. So Mm. lots lots is going to happen. You know, right, definitely. which
0: brings us to our final track and we thank you uh, Steve and Jim for thank you. your yes. time this afternoon it's been really enjoyable actually listening to you recounting events mm. you know 20 odd years ago, 30 years ago um, we're going to finish with Unbreakable which is almost like um, you could say that about the band Spirit really, it is yeah. Unbreakable isn't it? <laughs> very cliche but yeah. you should well, see it, us sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah. my uh, thanks to you yeah. and good
1: luck with the gigs in uh, thank May you very GY much cheers, yeah. cheers. <laughs>